0: Uh, Good morning. It's great to be with you. Um, If you're a guest joining us, so glad you're here. It means a lot to us that you've taken time out of your Sunday morning uh, to worship with us. My name is Josh, and I have the privilege of being one of your pastors here at Grace Point. And uh, to be completely honest, I really didn't know what to expect coming into this day given the fact that for the last handful of weeks, we've been having what I hope are honest, even though they're hard, but hopeful conversations about mental health. Um, we've been doing this for the last five Sunday mornings and in our small groups. And I know that this series has been well-received uh, by many of you, and I have been deeply encouraged by the stories I've, I've heard about how God has used the Let's Talk series um, to point people to Jesus, who is the one who can help them, where they can find hope and help and healing as far as their emotional, spiritual, um, mental well-being is concerned. And so Now that we're done with that, I really wasn't sure what to expect coming into today and how you all would be feeling. Maybe you'd be feeling a little bit like I do, and that is really not quite sure what I'm supposed to do with all of that just yet. And and so I thought it would be nice for us to relax a little. David. And David is going to. I just came back from the desert in Tucson. Great place to visit. Don't want to live there, you know. Um, but David is going to take us to the desert, where I hope we will discover today, as David did so many thousands of years ago, that God is present, God is available, and He is actively involved in the lives of those who know and trust Him. All right. You will know where we're going to go. The verse on the screen, you will recognize it probably immediately. It begins this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. This is ground zero. This is the starting place of our trip. This is the beginning place of David's theology. Yahweh is David's shepherd. And he personalizes this relationship by calling God by his divine name. And he says, Yahweh is my shepherd. Which is interesting because David was a shepherd. He raised his father's flocks. David was a king, which is a type of shepherd. But here, the implication is, of course, if Yahweh is my shepherd, then David is a what? He's a sheep. Now, It's beyond the scope of instruct you on the ins and outs of shepherding and sheep, because I don't own sheep. I've never never, uh, tended sheep. But I do know a little bit, just based on my studies and friends I know who have sheep, there are a lot of things that sheep simply cannot do. They're basically a walking appetizer for predators, right? (laughs) That's what they are. And David is saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I am a sheep. So here's what we need to remember about this Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. And David says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I what? I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Because David believed that God is present and available and actively involved in his circumstances to provide for his every single need. But he doesn't begin there. We just need to grasp onto, before we move on to the next verse, we need to grasp onto this incredible truth that the Lord is my shepherd. And so I want to ask you, as we get started, who is your shepherd? Sheep need shepherds. And think about the people or the places or the things that you are looking at or to, to provide for your needs. You could try this as a fun little exercise. Fill in the blank. If you're married, my spouse is my shepherd. If you have children, my children are my shepherd. My children are my shepherd. I lack nothing. No, I have nothing because I have a lot of kids, right? (laughs) Your work, your accomplishments, my accomplishments are my shepherd. Teens. TikTok is my shepherd. A lot of bad shepherds up there, friends. A lot of bad shepherds. So who is shepherding you? Who are you dependent upon to meet your needs? And David goes on, says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths, for his name's sake. Now, full disclosure, I have never been to Israel. I want to go very badly. It's at the top of my bucket list. And so when I imagine what green pastures and quiet waters looks like, here's what I come up with. Are you with me? Yeah. Wide open Lush, green spaces that look an awful lot like Kansas. <laughs> that is not far from here. And so that's what I thought David was talking about. But that's not really accurate. I was surprised to discover that it's the desert where flocks thrive, and it looks more like this. I mean, where are the green pastures? Where are the quiet waters? It doesn't look anything like I had pictured. And maybe you're not surprised like, like I was about this, but this is where sheep thrive. And how is it possible then for sheep to thrive in this kind of environment? I mean, green pastures in Israel are especially hard to find outside of the spring season. So sheep need a shepherd to lead them on right paths to take them to the green pastures in the quiet waters because sheep can't find these things on their own. They need someone to lead them and to guide them into pasture and restoration. And notice David's response to this. He says, he refreshes my soul. And so what's the invitation? When we're following our shepherd, we can trust he's leading us to places of rest and restoration. Not just once in a while, Not just once in a lifetime, not once in a week, not once in a year, but in an ongoing, continuous kind of way. The invitation is to follow him to places of green pasture and quiet water where you can be at rest. And so, what restores or what refreshes Your soul. If you are with God and He is leading you into this kind of environment, where are you going? What will you do? What kinds of activities, what kinds of disciplines fill you up and give you life? I've noticed something. Um, that I think, if I can just invite you into my observation, I've noticed something that I think we need to pay more attention to these days. And it's this simple observation that given the choice, we grab on to relief when our heart aches for restoration. We latch on to relief when our heart aches for restoration. Restoration. So what is that? What is relief? Relief is simply anything that is momentary. It's anything that's addictive or seductive, lazy, immediate, and within reach. And I think we all know what relief feels and looks like because we do experience this on a regular basis. It's a reaching for the half gallon of cookie dough ice cream at the hard day, after a hard day at work, right? It's, it may look like binge watching Netflix or a weekend of non-stop video gaming or doom scrolling on social media. Maybe it is overspending at Target again and again and again. Relief is what we reach for because it's immediate and usually within our reach. I shouldn't have eaten that quart of ice cream again. Now my stomach hurts, I'm a little bloated, really gassy, and I am not going to sleep well tonight, you know? That's what relief feels like. But what our heart longs for is restoration. Restoration. And restorative kinds of activities with the shepherd are things that are slow, they're long-lasting, there is joy or delight in them, and even it's guilt-free. You don't have to, be, you don't have to feel guilty for partnering with your shepherd and, and engaging in restorative types of activities. Relief and restoration are light years apart from one another. And this is where the spiritual disciplines like reading God's word and prayer and silence and solitude and fasting and hospitality and sharing a meal with people. That those are spiritual disciplines that we engage in not to get anything from God, but to be with him and to experience him in new and different and profound ways. Are you with me? Light years of difference between relief and restoration. And so I brought a few things with me just to kind of show you what I have learned about myself over the years, about what brings me restoration, where I receive life. And yes, I receive life from God's word and from worshiping with you, but I also am restored through good books. I love to read good books. I, I brought my, my walking shoes because I enjoy long walks through my neighborhood. And in, we kind of live in the country, so I walk on a lot of county roads. I enjoy taking long, restorative walks. Me and my wife and God, and you know, you know how it goes. I, I love taking good naps in a good hammock. (laughs) Hammocks are good for my soul. There are a lot of things that God uh, has given me, these kinds of gifts that fill me up. And so I just want to invite you, if you want to do this, I just invite you, make a list. Do it today. Start now. Make a list of activities that you enjoy doing. Start with 20. If you go beyond 20, great. But have at least 20. And then take it a step further. Go back through your list and ask yourself for each one of those items. Is this relief or is this restoration? Is this restoration? Relief or restoration? And then what you do is simply elevate Restorative activities and begin to move those relieving things down to the bottom of the list. All right? And then pick something and put it into action in your life. Do it today. Who is your shepherd, church? Who is your shepherd? What refreshes your soul? In the next verse, Is a familiar one, even though I walk through the darkest valley. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, the desert landscape can be very treacherous in certain places. But sometimes the shepherd needs to move the flock through these places to get where the shepherd wants to go. Some translations say that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because these are vulnerable areas where you know you're at risk, predators lie in wait, ready to attack. Bandits and thieves hide in canyons and valleys like this to, to kill, to steal, and to destroy lives. Spiritually speaking, a dark valley is anything, is anything that causes us to lose sight of the shepherd. And because he experienced it again and again and again, David knows the only way, the only way to thrive in this kind of environment is to go through the valley with the shepherd. There's no turning back. There's no running the other direction. The only way forward is through. And so when we're going through hard seasons or when the valley of circumstances is deep and it's dangerous, we often lose sight of in sense of direction and our purpose. Why? Because we lose sight of the shepherd. And then we begin to notice what? How big the valley is. We lose sight of the shepherd and we notice how big the valley is. And when that happens, we often lose our confidence. We become afraid. We lose our way. But here's the thing. Even though life's deep, dark valleys are dangerous places, they also happen to be the place where, God, where some people experience God's presence in new and deep and profound ways. The thing that separates these people or what, ha- what do they have in common that, that gives them this life and this energy in the dark places is that they never lost sight of the simple truth that David confesses here that God is with me. God is with me. The shepherd is still present. He's still available. He's still actively working and involved in our lives. And so our confidence to move forward, even when the outcome of the valley isn't what we hope for, it's not what we prayed for, it's not what we expected, the outcome, the result is our confidence, comes with a deep and abiding belief that God... Is good. He knows what he's doing. We can trust him. He is with me. He is leading me. And there's no other place that I'd rather be than in the presence of my loving shepherd. Who is your shepherd? What refreshes your soul? Is God with you? Yes, he is with you. And in this journey, David kind of changes directions a little bit. As you'll notice, he concludes Psalm 23 this way. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Seems a little strange, doesn't it? Given that we were just talking about shepherds and sheep and pastures and water and valleys, but now we notice that we're in somebody's house. Or tent. We're in the shepherd's house, and there is a meal. And there's a cup, there's oil for refreshment. A little strange, but that's okay. This is poetry. There's some freedom and in interpretation with, with poetry. But notice this David is a guest, he is an honored guest at the lord's table and he recognizes in this moment what an incredible host the lord is to him he's an invited guest and so are you you and i are welcome in god's presence as honored guests where we come as we are recognized that being in god's presence does not mean that our enemies disappear Did you notice that? They're there in the room with you. And you have to define what that enemy is. For the last five weeks, we have been talking about mental health enemies. So it might be something, an enemy for you might be something related to your mental health, or it's an actual person, or it's a bad habit, or an addiction, or a broken relationship. It might be your finances, it might it could be a lot of things what you see in the presence of god isn't the absence of enemies is that he sees his enemies and he has no fear david is very comfortable in the presence of his enemies because god is there so he's no longer threatened by his enemies presence and he's happy. And you too, you and I, we can learn to be happy to sit at the table with our enemy because God is there. And David is refreshed and he's drinking in this joy, and God is constantly refilling his cup. Brings me back to what restores your soul. Dallas Willard has a contemporary spin on this verse. He says, of God, he says, you give me hot showers and warm, fluffy towels, joyful experiences and deep relationships to make me feel clean and special and powerful. I love that. And just one final observation as we wrap up our message for the day. And I want to get a little nerdy because we don't do this very often because honestly, Hebrew is a little bit of a tricky language, but it's a lot of fun. So we're going to have a little fun and nerd out just for a moment if you don't mind. I want to teach you a little Hebrew. The first, there are two words that we're going to learn today. The first word is tov. Simple. Tov means good or goodness. means tov, Good. Somebody does something good, you say Tov. I used to say this to my kids when I was in seminary in our house when they did good job, Tov, you know. Or if they did a really good job, then you say Tov Ma'od. It means very good. Tov ma'od. In the creation account, each day something new comes alive in creation in Genesis 1 and it is declared Tov second word is chesed. It's not chesed. It's not bad. It's not gross. It comes from the back of the throat, chesed. And the closest equivalent we have to this word in the English language is something along the lines of deep, abiding, faithful, steadfast love. There's another word for love, that's ahava, and that means love. But this is often used in reference to God's covenantal love, Chesed. Tov and Hesed. And so David's reflecting then on his his life and his experience with God. And he says with this confidence, Surely, Tov and Hesed will follow me all the days of my life. Wow. Now I don't know about you, but when I hear the word follow. I have a certain idea in my mind, and it often kind of feels like um, the that that this word follow means that they're it's like a pet. Right? Like a a dog or a cat, and it's just gonna follow me around wherever I go. It's like really, oh, that's really that's really cute. I'm gonna name you Tove and I'm gonna name you Chesed. Now come with me, right? That's really not the sense that we get from David in this passage because the word that he uses that we translate as follow is Radaf. R-A-D-A-F. In most other places throughout the entire Old Testament, this word Radaf references being in pursuit of. It means you're going to chase down something, oftentimes to capture or to kill. But in this instance, what is David saying? David says it this way. He says, surely goodness and love will chase after me. And I think that paints a much clearer picture of the goodness and the love of the good shepherd. It's not that goodness and love just follow me along like they're there, like a pet that I, you know, that's it's nice. It's a sentiment, it's something we find on a Hallmark card or a coffee mug. No, it's this other idea that, that the good shepherd is chasing us down. He is running after us. There is no escaping the goodness, the, the tove, and the hesed of the shepherd. He will catch up. To you, Because a good shepherd, as Jesus says in John chapter 10, Jesus says, Father, you have given me all of these, and I have not lost a single one. He is that good. Jesus doesn't lose sheep. He will chase you down. His love and his goodness will pursue you until he has you. If only we would stop running from the shepherd, and receive his goodness and his love into our lives. Who is your shepherd? What refreshes your soul? Is God really that good? Yes. Most definitely, he is that good. And what do you need? What do you need from God? In this moment, in this season, because he is here and he is pursuing you the way a good shepherd always goes after his sheep. So, what do you need? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on right paths for his name's sake. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table, a place for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And surely goodness and love will chase after me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for being the good shepherd. You gave us the good shepherd, Jesus. And so, my prayer today is that we would confess and we would align our lives up with the reality and the truth of this scripture of Psalm 23, where David says, we lack nothing. We have everything we need in you, God. You're leading us and guiding us. You're protecting us. You feed us. We are completely dependent upon you and because you are trustworthy and you are true, and your goodness and love are always chasing after us, we can rest secure in knowing we are in the best hands. And we are so grateful today, God, that you are that good. And that when we go through the dark valleys of the life where we're of life where we're tempted um, to take our eyes off or we lose focus on where you are at, you are with us, God. You're still working you're still fighting, you're still leading. Help us to see you clearly at those times in our lives where we lose sight of you. Help us to hear for your voice and to follow, to follow closely to you as you continue to mold and shape and grow us as our shepherd. So grateful, Lord, that David paints this picture of what life is really like when it is lived under your loving, tender care. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus, the Good Shepherd's name.